Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We've gone through a number of scriptural passages looking at teachings in biblical prophecy, and now we're shifting to the teachings about biblical prophecy as we read from the early church. And last time, we started with prophecy in the document, the early church document called the Didache. Didache is just from a Greek word means teaching, and it's referring to the teaching of the apostles and how it was handed down in the early church. Now, last time, we looked at prophecy in the Didache, particularly focusing on chapter 16. And this this is a fairly short work. But also in the Dedicae, in chapter 11, there is teaching about prophets. And I think it's worth taking a look because where does prophecy come from? Well, it comes from prophets, either oral or written. So let's turn to chapter 11 and look at prophets in the early church. It says in verse 3 of chapter 11 in the Didache, in regard to apostles and prophets, act according to the doctrine of the gospel. Let every apostle or prophet who comes to you to be received as the Lord, but he shall not remain more than one day. But if necessary, let him remain a second day. But if he stays for three He's a false prophet, okay? So, in other words, this isn't a Holiday Inn, free staying. Um, and prophets were traveling very often. They weren't pastors in a fixed location um, as much as traveling, but there were some fixed. We're going to see some in a moment. And when the apostle departs, let him take only enough bread to last until he reaches shelter, in other words, for his trip. But he asked for money— He's a false prophet, okay? So there seems to be, and again, this is probably the first voice out of the early church regarding prophets, and the first voice warns against freeloading prophets. Um, They will be taking advantage of Christians. And it says in verse 8, not everyone who speaks in the Spirit is a prophet, but only if he can follows the conduct of the Lord. Accordingly, from their conduct, the false prophet and the true prophet will be known. Now, I want to emphasize that there was a problem from day one with prophets in the church. There were true prophets and false prophets, and the Didache very wisely gives situations how you can determine true from false. And if you don't do that, you tend to eliminate all prophecy in the church. Chapter 11 goes on in verse 9. No prophet who in the Spirit orders a meal to be prepared eats of it, but if he does, he's a false prophet. In other words, there's no prophetic drive through Give me free food. And every prophet who teaches the truth and fails to do what he teaches is a false prophet. In other words, hypocrites aren't true prophets. And, and this is the biggie, 
And whoever says in the spirit, give me money, or if you're a televangelist, send me money, or anything like it, do not listen to him. But if he asked that it be given to others in need, let no one judge him. Now, there's a particular advantage of a prophet not being a pastor, in a sense that somebody like Ezekiel, uh, if you understand, uh, Ezekiel was a very radical prophet. He was trained as a priest, but he was deported uh, away from Israel, away from the temple, and became a prophet. God called him as a prophet. He would be a pretty difficult guy to live with in your parish if you heard him every week. It would just be an overwhelming message, and maybe pastors would be better suited for that, but there is a role for prophets. Now, here's one. Early church, and the early church was a Catholic church. There were no other churches at that time. In Acts chapter 11, it says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. And the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brethren who lived in Judea. And the offering that Paul and Barnabas took up was in response to this prophecy, prophecy about a great famine coming at least over that part of the world. Now, if today, living in the West, you heard a prophecy about a future food shortage, you wouldn't bat an eye because you would think to yourself, well, we just don't have that kind of problem in the U.S. But uh, be aware that in the end times, there will be food shortages. In Revelation 6, when the third seal, the judgment seal, the third one is opened, there was a black horse with a rider carrying a balance, and food was weighed in a, in a balance, and that was uh, an, an, an indicator of famine on the way. And the voice came, a quart of wheat for a denarius. In other words, a whole day's wage went for food. You didn't have anything left over. Just for food, a whole day's wage would be required. And Dr. Beale, whose commentary on Revelation says, well, these food shortages and famine in prophesied in Revelation 6 represent an 8 to a 16 times increase in the price of daily food. In other words, um, this is severe. And then in Revelation, you move from the seven seal judgments to the seven trumpet judgments, and it gets worse. All I'm saying, I think there is room for true prophets in the church even today. Although they have to be radically tested according to the very practical things that we find in the Didache and chapter 11. Now, one of the reasons why I think prophets are so important is that I wouldn't be sitting here today and you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me if it wasn't for some prophets that we read about in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, 
It says, and the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, but also prophets. There was something different from just teaching and a prophet. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Well, as a result of this prophecy, Barnabas and St. Paul set out on the entire Gentile mission. If you're a Gentile, meaning you're not a Jewish person, this is how it all happened. This is how it started. This is how God directed the early church. This is the most one of the most important steps the early church took, and it came as a result of prophecy. Now, what is a prophet? How can you tell if somebody is a prophet? Uh, Americans like a lot of flim-flam. I think it's due to our early adoption of TV or something. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what or how or why. But for instance, a lot of people think that Pope Benedict was simply a scholarly pope and nothing else. Uh, I think he was a man of the spirit, and I also think a man who is very well acquainted with the ultimate nature of prophecy. Uh, he wrote an introduction to a scholarly book on prophecy, and this is what he said. The prophet is someone who tells the truth on the strength of his contact with God. The truth for today, which also naturally sheds light on the future. It is not a question of foretelling the future in detail, but of rendering the truth of God present at this moment in time and appointing us in the right direction. The essence of what Pope Benedict is saying of true biblical prophetic role, speaking to the church, is an immediacy, a direct encounter with God. Now, every homilist and preacher needs to have a life of prayer and contact with God and the scriptures that he'll be preaching from, or else you know, you're basically sharing stale bread or hot vapor uh, with your words. You need an immediate encounter with God, your encounter with God, and not some sermon you download off the internet for a fee. That's just standard teaching. But the prophetic word, at times, um, we can all get a little crusty. And you might go to a conference or hear a homily or a broadcast or something, and all of a sudden, you know, that, that had a, a, a particular zing to it, if I can just use that simple word. It, it's someone who tells truth, according to Pope Benedict, on the strength of his contact with God. And there's a problem that can happen is that that person will have a great response because people really do like to hear from someone who's had a, a contact with God. And in our culture, in the Catholic Church and in the Protestant Church, a prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, can be turned into P-R-O-F-I-T and marketed celebrity priest, Catholic personalities. This is turning a true prophet into a false prophet. And even though he might not saying, give me money, but people surround him with money-making schemes that override 
that immediate contact with God and turning true prophets into prophet seekers or at least those supporting his ministry. So why don't we have more prophecy in the Catholic Church today? Well, it died out, and it was due to a group that became heretical that liked prophecy a little too much called Montanism. And they ended up with a lot of false prophets. And what it ended up doing is discrediting all prophecy in the Catholic Church. And yet St. Paul said, don't quench the spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5. Don't despise prophesying, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And prophecy can be like a little bit of a live electrical wire that you may not want to grab a hold of. It can be a bit dangerous. It can be misused. The easiest way to prevent misuse is to eliminate it altogether. But prophets being silenced has a cost to the church. And sometimes a prophet will arise trying to steer the church back to truth and holy living and back to Christ and will be declared an enemy of the faith or a priest silence. And this is what Cardinal Ratzinger said in that introduction to the book Christian Prophecy. Even if at a moment in time the prophet must proclaim the word of God as if it were a sharp sword. He is not necessarily criticizing organized worship and institutions. His mandate is to counter misunderstandings and the abuse of the word within the institution by rendering God's vital claim ever-present. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 238 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.